and likewise I think industry should challenge itself whether 10% is sufficient. I think we've got to get moving. Welcome back to Marcus and Alexander's Hydrogen mini-series, produced in collaboration with the Australian Hydrogen Forum. We're moving through the questions that need to be answered to secure Australia's hydrogen future. And now in episode three, it's time to talk about hydrogen in the home. How and when can you expect to have a hydrogen powered shower or stovetop? The Australian Gas Infrastructure Group has set a bold vision to decarbonise their networks around Australia by 2040. So how will they do it? On this episode, AGIG CEO Craig Delane will lay out the plan for you from the blending projects that are already underway to the steps required to scale up. Remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts to get all the episodes in the series straight to your feed. Here's Craig. Thanks, James. So my name is Craig Delane. I'm the CEO of Australian Gas Infrastructure Group. We own gas infrastructure across the country. That's gas pipelines, storage facilities and distribution networks. And AGI have set a really bold vision to deliver 100% carbon-free gas to AGIG's networks by 2040. Tell us a little bit about the background to that decision and, and why you're making that big, um, that big bold vision to deliver 100% carbon-free gas. It really is around environmental performance. So the gas supply industry for so long has done its job when it comes to the environment. We've always been a better environmental choice for our customers. We've always been cost competitive and we've always been incredibly reliable. Now that's what customers care about. Now speaking to our customers, they want to keep using gas today and they want to be using gas in 15, 20, 30 years time. Now we know that economies are decarbonising. So we're no different. So that vision really is driven by how are we going to decarbonise the gas that we provide to our customers. That's what it's driven by. We're 10% by 2030 and 100% by 2040. Now our board endorsed that vision in June last year. Arguably that isn't ambitious enough. So we are really challenging ourselves as a business as to what can we do, how quickly can we do it um, and, and how are we going to move forward. You say that um, AGIG is committed to delivering 100% renewable gas by 2025 for customers who want it. Um, what does that mean and what does that look like in practice? There are different ways we can do that. So at the moment, the Commonwealth Government is developing a green gas certification scheme. That is incredibly important because what that means is we can certify that green gas is carbon free or, or carbon neutral, whatever the case may be. That's important because we can then provide a green gas product to our customers in exactly the same way that the renewable electricity sector can provide a green retail product for electricity customers. That's one way. So we can certify green gas, that's underway, and we can sell a green gas product. The other way is a customer may want its own solution. So just like putting solar on your roof, what is our answer and what is our solution? So we are working with our customers and we're working with stakeholders on what that bespoke carbon-free solution looks like. You obviously operate an immense amount of gas networks across Australia. Can we leverage the existing use of these networks for this transition to hydrogen? I don't think can we, we need to, is my response to that. And well, just to pick up on the can we, absolutely we can. So gas distribution networks, it is a safety-led program where we've replaced the cast iron on the network with polyethylene pipes. Now that is safety-driven, but the ancillary benefit of that is that that network can carry hydrogen. 
100% hydrogen into the future. So the distribution system can transport 100% hydrogen with little additional cost. So that is a very big positive for our industry. Then you bring into play all the other benefits that the gas system provides. And one of the benefits that I will highlight is the storage capacity. So the ability of gas networks to store energy is phenomenal. And one stat that we use a little in the industry is the storage capacity of just gas networks, um, around 6 billion Tesla Powerwall batteries. That is the scale that we're talking about. 200 snowy hydro schemes, that is the scale that we're talking about. The other thing, and what that means is, is that when we have renewable electricity, and one of the challenges we have in that industry is that supply doesn't always match demand. And that's a, a conversation we're having in renewable electricity. How do you shut it off in the middle of the day when the sun's shining and everybody's at work and the kids are at school? Um, and how do we curtail the wind in the middle of the night when we're all at home sleeping? That is exactly when we want these electrolyzers to fire up access that low cost excess renewable electricity, convert it into hydrogen and store it into our networks. So it doesn't matter when you make it, you don't need supply to match demand. You can store it into the networks and you can pull it out when the customer needs it, whether that's for direct use on, um, you know, for your gas log heater at home, or whether that's putting it back into um, power electricity through hydrogen generation. So we can do it, um, there's a lot of benefits in doing it. And I love hydrogen because it brings what is currently two discrete energy delivery systems in an electricity grid and a gas supply system into a single energy supply system. So creating that single energy supply system, are there any challenges to achieving that? I would say the key challenges I see it is that the renewable gas transition is about 15 years behind the renewable electricity transition. That is the key challenge we have at the moment. And to an extent, that reflects the performance of the gas industry. I said earlier, we've always been a better environmental choice for customers. We've always been incredibly reliable. So just on that reliability point, our customers in Victoria, for example, on average experience a supply outage once every 40 years. It is phenomenal reliability performance, and we've always been cost competitive. So we haven't been a focus of policymakers. So what that means is we focused on electricity and we've been supporting that renewable electricity transition for 15 years. The outcome of that has been that we have been very successful in um, increasing renewable electricity penetration and coming down the cost curve. Now, the key risk as I see it is if stakeholders, customers, policymakers take a view on where we sit today. Mm -hmm. So renewable electricity has come down the cost curve and it's still got a way to go, mind you. Hydrogen is at the very start of that journey. So if we're making decisions based purely on cost today, then that's where we might have a problem. I hope that that's not what we're gonna do. I hope that's not what policymakers are gonna do. And they understand that we need to provide the same support to the renewable gas sector as has been provided to the renewable electricity sector. You spoke before about customers and AGIG customers wanting choice, wanting that reliability. Do you have a understanding of how your customers feel about the cost of decarbonisation? Are they worried that their prices might go up as we transition to hydrogen or as we decarbonise the network? Price absolutely is the number one thing that customers worry about. You know, that's no surprise and that's not new information. 
When we talk to our customers, our customers say, we want you to decarbonise gas supply and we expect that you're going to decarbonise gas supply. When we test them to say, this will cost you more money, are you still willing for us to do that? We are getting very high levels of support. Mm -hmm. Customers understand that this transition will cost a little more. The role of governments and the role of our business is to provide the framework to bring us down the cost curve as soon as possible. And we are seeing very, very encouraging results already. I'd say this industry is yet to get off the ground, but when we look at Hydrogen Park South Australia and the capital cost of that facility versus the capital cost of Hydrogen Park Murray Valley, they have already halved in the space of two years. We are flying down the cost curve. Just take you back to the target. So you got the 2040 target and then the 2030 blending target. Um, what's the critical next steps do you see to sort of reaching these targets? We've got to keep doing what we're doing. So the critical next steps, Hydrogen Park South Australia, a leading project, 1.25 megawatts, is still the largest electrolyzer in Australia. I used to like saying that two years ago, but I don't like saying it today, I've got to say. Mm -hmm. Hydrogen Park Murray Valley takes the next logical step. It takes the next logical step because we go from 1.25 megawatts to 10 megawatts. So that's an eightfold increase in scale. And that's important when we talk about coming down the cost curve. And like I said, we've already halved the costs, the capital costs of producing hydrogen at that plant. The next step is we need to up the scale even further. So we've got to get on with the job. We've got to do it quickly. And we've got to go from 10 megawatts to 50 megawatts to 100 megawatts. Again, exactly the same way that the renewable electricity moved forward is exactly the same way the renewable gas sector needs to move forward. AGIG have been leading the way with the hydrogen parks and the hydrogen projects, uh, some of which you've just mentioned and, and that you also spoke about in your, your keynote at the Australian Hydrogen Forum. Are there some key lessons that have already come through in those projects, those hydrogen projects that you've started to run across the country? Absolutely. Absolutely. These projects are important. We're delivering in South Australia through Hydrogen Park, South Australia. We're delivering in Queensland through Hydrogen Park, Gladstone. And we're about to deliver in, in Victoria through Hydrogen Park, Murray Valley. What these projects do, so I might just take Hydrogen Park, Murray Valley, for example. That has been two and a half years from concept through to FID. That's a long period of time. And from an external point of view, you could say, well, why has it taken so long? What we've done through delivering projects like Hydrogen Park Gladstone is we have done all the work we need to do to make sure that the next, next project is delivered in a shorter time frame and the one after that shorter again. So through projects like Hydrogen Park Murray Valley, we've organised supply chains. We've organised approval processes. We've organised safety requirements. We've organised the changes that are required to the rules and the regulatory framework to deliver these projects. That is one of the key things that we're doing through Hydrogen Park Murray Valley, not just decarbonising supply, but organising the supply chain so the next project can be done in, in far quicker time. So you're creating um, regional hydrogen hubs um, and, and in that, so AGIG is aiming to provide access to green hydrogen for transport and export. Um, how do these uh, other uses of hydrogen intersect uh, with hydrogen in the home? Um, and how can the different markets coexist to grow a hydrogen industry in Australia? Just a couple of responses to that question. Um, I really like the concept of the solar on my house, the solar on the roof of my home being used not just to turn the lights on, but to also fire up the gas log heater. 
um, because what we can do is we can use that excess solar, like I spoke about earlier, that is not required, supply doesn't match demand, and we can convert that into hydrogen for direct supply into the home. So all of a sudden, our solar system is not just being used for electricity, it's also being used for our gas requirements in our home. I love that story. I also really like the story to say, well, not only that, but if my solar on my roof, not only can I use it to make electricity and now fire up my gas log heater or my, my cooktop at home, I can export that energy overseas because when we convert it to hydrogen, we can convert it to a form that we can export to our overseas friends. And that is also very important. So you can see by these examples that what we are doing with hydrogen is that we are increasing the size of the existing market considerably. So that solar installation, if I can call it that, no longer is just used to supply electricity. It's used to supply gas and it's used to supply um, export markets. That means we also move down the cost curve for RE because we are significantly improving the utilisation of those assets. So existing renewable electricity becomes more efficient and we also move down the cost curve there. Um, so, so there's a real deep synergy with what we want to do with decarbonising the gas supply sector and decarbonising the electricity sector. This is why I say it's not one or the other. That's not what it's about. It's about both systems working together um, and delivering a single energy supply system. You've spoken a lot about the opportunities and obviously you've had a, a long experience in the industry and you also spoke about the the experience of how renewable electricity went from there being a lot of concerns, a lot of hurdles, a lot of obstacles to where it is today. What, from your experience, are the biggest threats or obstacles to hydrogen progressing in Australia? Well, it's not getting on with the job by way of policy support quick enough. I mean, we are a new market. Absolutely, we're a new market and we're a new industry. Now, whether we're talking energy or whether we're talking another sector, the role of government is to support that new industry to get it to a point where it's efficient for market. That's what the role of government is. That's the role government has played and is still playing in the renewable electricity sector. So, for example, the renewable energy target has been so successful in terms of increasing penetration of RE and coming down the cost curve. That has been incredibly successful and we have continued to outperform the targets that have been set under that scheme. We've set a target, we've hit it years in advance and we've revised upwards. We need that same support for renewable gas. And I think we're going to come down the cost curve far quicker than what renewable electricity has based on what I've already seen. You mentioned earlier about the solar panels on someone's roof uh, being used you know, to create a market um, externally. How would you rank the public's understanding of hydrogen and its benefits and, and the role that hydrogen can, can play? And, and, and what are you doing as an organisation to better communicate the benefits of hydrogen? And just as a quick aside, what do you think industry more broadly and government maybe could do to, to, to explain the benefits to customers? I think that is a really good question. It's a really good question. And quite often when we have these conversations, we forget about the customer. Mm -hmm. This is all about the customer and maintaining customer choice. Now, as a business, we've got over 2 million customers across the country, and we get out and we talk to our customers about a range of issues. One of those issues is our low carbon transition, and I mentioned that earlier. We've done some work that shows around about 10% of our customers know hydrogen, have heard of hydrogen, and understand it. So we've got a role as industry 
to, to increase that understanding. When we start the conversation with our customers, they want to know more. They are hungry for information. They're excited by the opportunity and they want us to get on with the job. One thing we're doing, we're not just having direct conversations with our customers, but we're starting to market renewable gas to our customers directly through things like TV commercials. So we've just started to up the level of awareness across the community. So we're building in renewable gas messaging into all of our advertising going forward. And I think that's incredibly important by way of hitting good customer reach. At the Australian Hydrogen Forum, we've heard from a number of the state government ministers uh, who are responsible for hydrogen or energy or the environment. Interestingly, each of them say that their state is the best positioned, <laughs> the best position for hydrogen uh, and the best one to invest in. Uh, and they all say that they're going to be the hydrogen superpower or the hydrogen leader. AGIG, on the other hand, have invested a lot in hydrogen and in building the, the trial proje projects across Australia. From your perspective, what can states and state governments do to actually be the most attractive state for investment in this space? It probably comes down to the point that I've made earlier. It's a new market, it's high up the cost curve, so we need to support industry coming down the cost curve. So it's the state government that understands that challenge and puts the right framework and the right incentives in place to allow that transition to take place I believe is the state that is going to put its hand up first and say we're serious about hydrogen and overseas partners we are serious about hydrogen we're capable and we've got scale i see a lot of positive moves across australia by different jurisdictions but we just now need to get on with the job it's as simple as that the new south wales fuel scheme 8PJ of hydrogen or renewable gas i think it is by 2030 is exactly the type of policy that we need in australia um, so we need that right across the country. Um, and that, that I think is, is what we're starting to see, but we actually need to see it get delivered. Thanks for tuning in and thanks to Craig for his time. There's a handful more episodes to come in our hydrogen mini series. Next up, we'll be discussing the commercialization of the entire sector with Alex McIntosh from Arena and Justin Nash from BP. A big thanks to our partner, the Australian Hydrogen Forum for helping us bring the series to life. There's going to be plenty more hydrogen-powered discussion during Australian Energy Week coming up in Sydney in June. For tickets, head to energyweek.com.au. See you soon.